Well, let's uh, begin our Bible study today in the book of John, John chapter 14. Are you ready to hear from the word from the Lord, yes or no? Now, not me, obviously you'll hear me preach, but you're going to hear hopefully from the Lord. Today we're going to talk about something some people say there's no need for in the church today, it's doctrine. Doctrine simply means instruction. Without proper doctrine, what will we do? We'll stray from the God that we say that we love. So we, we talk about Today, so many things in our world is changing. People are saying, listen, we don't need to have advanced math because it, uh, it's hindrance for children that don't have the opportunity to study or those who won't study. Well, we don't have to need to do different things because we're laxing our standards. Even in South Carolina, we're struggling as a school. Not struggling, but South Carolina continues to drop the standards of education. So now to graduate, you only need 20 uh, Carnegie units to graduate. They continue to drop it. It was 24. And so all in our world, all around, everything continues to drop. The standards continue to be lowered so that people can actually reach a lower standard. And that's not what we do in the church because what happens when you lower the standard? Here's the answer. It's, it's not a trick question. You get lower standards, right? And people will achieve what you expect of them many times. And if you, same thing with your children. When you challenge your children if you make it easy for them all the time, have you seen the parent who does everything for their children? Yeah, they're still sitting in their basement playing video games when they're 40. Yep, that, that's the parent that did everything for the child, let them do everything, and just goo-goo and guy got them. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ didn't do that with his disciples. We know, if you've been with us, uh, what's the upcoming celebration that's about to happen? Do I know right in the scripture where we are? The heart of where we are, chapter 13, verse 1, tells us it's what season? Passover. And that's when the, the, all the nations going to celebrate that actually God saved them. The death angel passed over them in Egypt. Didn't kill their firstborn. Saved them all if they put the what? Blood over the doorpost. So we know that this is actually a picture of Jesus Christ. The Old Testament picture of Jesus Christ. This is the blood Passover. So Jesus is preparing his disciples and he's telling them they're, he's leaving, and they're all nervous because they've sold everything. They've put all their money, or if you will, their, their whole stock in Jesus Christ. And now here they are finding out that he's leaving, and he won't tell them 100% where he's going. But yet he tells them they know the way. So they're a bit confused. They're spiritually ignorant, not knowing. They're not stupid. They're ignorant. They don't know. And so he's going to explain just further for them so they'll know. And this is just prior to, if you look at your notes, Jesus used his time just prior to his arrest and just, and just prior to his later crucifixion to share with his disciples solid truths. If you see the word solid truth, that word means doctrines. That means instructions. He's going to give you these last instructions like this is the doctrine we stake our faith on. And so today if you went to Catalyst, you learned that obviously the title of the lesson this morning was Jesus is God. And so for so long, so many people are not sure that is Jesus God. They believe that Jesus is a God. That's what the Jehovah Witness will say. Uh, they'll say that he was actually created by God, or they'll think that he's the, uh, another angel that God created, or they think that he was a good man, or that he was a prophet. Any of those things that you say about Jesus, if you say that Jesus was a good moral teacher, what a horrible thing to say about a good moral teacher, right? Your morals are very low. If you just say he was a good prophet, your standards are low because Jesus said, I and the Father are what? One, and the Jews understood that. The Jewish leaders understood that he was saying that he was equal to God, that he was God. That's why they wanted to crucify him. That's why they wanted to call, charge him with blasphemy. Well, Jesus declares, I am. I am, and he told about the way in, in verse 6. I am the truth and life. We're going to read this together, beginning in verse 6. And look what he says, and track with me, 
who Jesus says he is, and then the response. And we know Thomas has already asked him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus responded to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Where does the Father live? Let's break it down for a moment. Where, what is he talking about? Where does the Father live, church? In heaven. So Jesus is saying no one's coming to heaven except through Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? What does that say? Is that an exclusive claim? So we have a doctrine of exclusivity when Jesus says there is but one way. There, you cannot get to heaven unless you come through me. All of our Muslim friends and anyone else that has a different a cultish background that claims Christianity as their history, but they walk away from it, and their doctrine, their teachings, their instructions are not going to heaven based on what Jesus says. Now, that's heavy lifting, would you agree? So the doctrine of Jesus Christ being God is a heavy doctrine. You get that wrong, you get your God wrong, you got everything else wrong. Amen? Jesus said he is God, I and the Father are one. The, the Jewish leaders understood that, what he was saying, and they could not accept that because they believe what the Bible says, hey, know our God, our God is one, right? There's only one God. Well, they're thinking that Jesus is saying that, well, there's two gods now. And then we'll see the Holy Spirit, is there three gods? So we're going to teach you this morning, show you some scripture at least, the Trinitarian beliefs that we have as a church. And uh, why do we believe what we believe? It's in our bylaws. As a matter of fact, I forgot it on the printer. I printed our bylaws. Mike, would you go get it out of the Christian's room? You need your master key. I want to read that off to you, what we believe. And so many people say, well, what do you really believe about this? You need to know what you believe. Do you know what Town Creek Baptist Church believes about? Fill in the blank. And if you don't know the answer, you should ask those questions about what do you really believe about that? Because you must have convictions to live this life. You have a moral standard, whether it's right or wrong, you have one. And you can find out, is mine biblical? Does mine line up with Scripture? Let's continue in verse 7. If you had known me, you would all have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him, that's the Father, and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Well, how goofy is that? What did Jesus just get through saying out of his own mouth? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What is Jesus saying? He said, I and the Father are one. You're, you're looking at the, if you will, the physical representation of God. Why would Jesus make that claim? One, he's the only way to heaven. And two, if you've seen the Father, you, have you seen me, you've seen the Father. Think of John 4, 24. We preached to this some time ago. What's the doctrine of, of God the Father? How do we worship God the Father? In spirit and in truth. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, we have, thank you, Mike, we have opportunity to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to get that doctrine down. All these are heavy doctrines that lift because if we say these are the only ones that are right, we bring about persecution in our own life, do we not? The world can't accept these things because these are truths from God and straight from the Word of God. And if you have a red-letter edition, straight from Jesus' mouth himself, right? Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves, the miracles that I've done themselves. Let's pray together. 
Father, would you help us have these understandings that we would load these, if you were, into our memory banks, into our memory hearts, into our souls, Lord, that we can actually grasp these understandings from your word and, Lord, use them to proclaim the gospel to a watching world. Thank you for your love and care for us. Thank you for always being with us, never leaving us, never forsaking us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, go to your notes, if you would, just for a moment. I want you to see in verse 6 where Jesus declared this, that the I am, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, he is the way. There is no other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. Is that a heavy doctrine? Does anybody have any Muslim friends? I do. Does anybody have any people that are actually in part of other, uh, they call themselves Jehovah's Witnesses, but Kingdom Hall? They don't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They deny that fact. You, anybody know anyone like that? Well, you should, because we need to know lost friends, lost family members. You know anyone that's Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, the Mormons? They believe, that, totally different from what the Scripture teaches, that they believe God the Father is a physical man, God the Son is a physical man, and Joseph Smith, in the foreword of every book of Mormon, says he saw both of them standing at the foot of his bed. Either God is a liar in the Bible, or Joseph Smith is a liar. Which one is it? Joseph Smith is a liar. You look at his history and what he did in his culture. He was a drunkard. He went from place to place. He went from the Masonic Lodge to the Presbyterian Church to the Methodist Church. He took everything that he had, and I believe under the influence of the devil, he made this concoction, what we call today Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He does not believe what Scripture believes. And, and our friends, listen, they're good moral people in the sense that they're actually good people. I know a lot of friends that are uh, Mormons that are good people. And when we were younger, they used to come by and bring the King James Bible, and they would knock on your door, and they want to talk with you about God, and they would offer you a King James Bible, and then they would tell you that that text has been corrupted, so now we have the Book of Mormon that's been m more complete. And if you read the Book of Mormon, you can actually find they just took the, the King James Bible and just cut and paste as much as they could, and then took off on their own doctrines. That's how cults work. It sounds official. As a matter of fact, when I was a young man, I felt like I was just, the church was sitting on a stump doing nothing. They asked me to teach one Wednesday night in a country church. I won't name the church. And I said I would because I was so excited about the Word of God. And I felt like no one's responding. Lord, how do you shake people to, to get them? Only the Holy Spirit can do this, but the Word of God does it. So I preached a sermon. I got a lot of amens, a lot of teaching sessions. I was loud and boisterous. And then when I finished, I said, I just preached out of the Book of Mormon. And you you, you can imagine, it was a country Baptist church. You can imagine what was happening, right? Crucify him. Crucify him. That, was, that, that wouldn't sound out loud, but that, you can see on their faces. Because the book of Moroni is almost identical to the book of Matthew in Scripture. Now, I didn't read the false part portions. It's word for word in some places if you go and look. But don't go spend your time in the book of Mormon because you'll waste your time. Don't go learn everything you need to know about other cults. Just visit there. Let people do that. They're guarded, that are protected, that are prayed over. Because if you're not careful, you'll go that way because it sounds good to the flesh. Sounds good to me. Because Jesus' words are hard. His challenges are, are extravagant. He, he talks about suffering for him. And what about a God who just wants to give me, give me, give me? Because how many people today have heard, well, my God would never send anybody to hell. Well, your God's not the God of the Bible. You've made up your own God. You say, well, I don't like that. Y'all know how I feel about that, right? If the Lord has spoken, it's over. It doesn't matter whether you believe it, like it, lump it, whatever it might be. He has spoken. Thus said the word of God. So look in the word as we look through together. Watch this. I want you to see this in first note you have. Jesus pronounced the oneness with God the Father. This is a great doctrinal teaching. It's fundamental to our Christian faith. Jesus 
the Son is the exact same as God the Father in the Godhead. Different personalities. Listen, I shouldn't say exact same. Their oneness is the same is what I'm, what I'm focusing on. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You just hear me baptize the girls in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Why did I do that? Because, it, look, take your, hold your Bible's place right there and go back over and see Matthew 28. You know this scripture if you've been around here for a while or if you've been in Christian life for any time. Turn over to Matthew 28. You need to mark, mark this as a doctrinal truth in your word. You say, well, I don't mark in my Bible. Well, make a side note somewhere to get to this passage, to beat a path here really quickly because this is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God the Father, yes, he's the Father. God the Son yields to the Father. You'll see that in the Godhead. And God the Holy Spirit yields to the Son and the Father. You say, well, show me that. I'll show you in Scripture. But I want you to see here, Jesus speaking, verse 18, Matthew 28, 18. If you're there, say amen. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. How much authority does Jesus have? All. Who gave it to him? God the Father, right? Because it's hard to say when I was a kid, I was like, wait a minute. Jesus, God, I kept saying them. But when you say God, you don't understand what we're talking about. God the Father gave him all authority. So how much authority does Jesus have here on earth? So when you face a consequence, you, you face a trouble situation, you face a, an obstacle, who do you call on? The Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, Father, and you pray to the Father, Lord, help me because Jesus said that he has all authority when he was here on earth. And then Jesus also said, when I go to the Father, because I got to go, right? Because Jesus limited himself that he could only be at one place at one time. But he said, if I go away, I'm going to send you the comforter. And the comforter is the Holy Spirit. And where can the Holy Spirit be? All places at all times. Would you rather walk with Jesus daily or would you rather live in the 21st century having the Holy Spirit with you when you sleep, when you wake up, when you lie down, whatever it might be, which would you prefer? Many of us would say, I'd just love to walk with Jesus. Well, here's Philip walking with Jesus. He's like, hey, just show us the Father. What is that? That's spiritual ignorance. You got Thomas going, hey, where are you going? We don't know what you're talking about. Where, where are you going and how do we get there? They were with him for three years and still didn't understand. But here today, the Bible says God is our teacher, right? The Holy Spirit is our teacher. He'll walk with you. He's given you a 66-book library that you can know God, and, and God will know you. We'll see that in Scripture. But let's continue. In verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Were we biblical this morning when we baptized? Yes. Some, uh, you've heard a Catholic priest, I think it was out in Phoenix, he said that he didn't baptize, he said, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, talking about the church, and he'd come on, he resigned his priesthood, and said that he's got to go back, everybody that he baptized is not saved, because he baptized them, the Catholic church has uh, decided that he baptized the wrong way, said, and said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he said, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Can I tell you something? Baptism does not save you, no matter who baptizes you. Amen? Only Jesus Christ. He's the way. Only Jesus Christ will save you when you profess faith in him and ask him to forgive you of your sin. You repent of your sins and turn to him. Only Jesus Christ can save you. So it doesn't make a hill of beans what the pastor's title is, even if he bumbles the words, because we've had some situations, right? Even when dad's baptized, dry mouth happens when you're in front of people. And the idea is that we follow through with the picture of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. It's a promise of tomorrow. It's a promise of the past. He did that for us, and yet he's coming for us again, that we will have a resurrected body. It's, it's awesome news to see what he shows us. So go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have uh, commanded you. 
And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Let's go back over to the book of John, if we would. Jesus pronounced his oneness with God the Father. There's this long passage of Scripture I really want to read today, and I think we're going to take the time to do it. I want you to see, because Paul kind of wraps it up for the church at Colossae. He wraps it up, and go to Colossians chapter 1, if you would. Look, we're going to camp out just for here, because this kind of summarizes what Jesus Christ was telling his disciples. Now, time has passed, and Jesus has died on the cross. He's been resurrected, and now this whole truth is coming in. In Colossians chapter 1, I want you to see this, Colossians 1. I didn't give you all this scripture. Y'all don't have it on the screen because I want you to, if you really want it, I want you to go to your Bible and get it yourself today. I didn't put it on the screen for you. Colossians 1, beginning of chapter 1. Listen to this. Paul, an apostle of whom in your Bible? Jesus Christ by whose will? The will of God. And Timothy, our brother. We're coming to you together, right? Coming to you live from Colossae. Here we are. To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, or to the Colossian church, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you will read that and say, see, that's not for Town Creek Baptist Church. That was for the church at Colossae. That's a foolish way of reading the Bible, okay? Because the word was always sent to other churches. They would read the letter here and then read the letter to this church and read the letter to this church. It was circular in nature whenever a letter would be written to the church. Now, if there was a specific address to the church, something specific to them, it would be noted. But this is to the church at Colossae, and this is speaking very broadly on behalf of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks, verse 3, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. By the way, is that a doctrinal truth, eternal hope? So if Paul says this, let me just have a side note. Can you lose your salvation? No, we have free will Baptist brothers that say you can lose your salvation. You can turn it on, you can turn it off. One sin just might just throw you into the threshold of hell. What a miserable way to live, would you agree? And what a sorry God you'd have. If he's so sorry he can't keep you, what a sorry God he is. Would y'all want to serve a God like that, that's weak and can't keep you? Well, the Paul says, and, all, and Jesus himself said, that, listen, we have this eternal hope laid up in heaven, of which you have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Verse 6, which has come to you as it has also in all of the world and is bringing forth fruit, as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. Verse 7, and as you also learned from Ephraim and our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of God, of Christ, on your behalf, who also declared to you your love in the Spirit. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be what? Look at this word. Filled, that is controlled by, with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and longsuffering with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and the light. Now, I know this is, he- this is a heavy doctrinal chapter, so you need to go back and dissect this. Not the sermon today, but I want you to see. Verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. To that we say what? Praise the Lord. Amen? In whom, verse 14, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Again, we say, Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 15, transition. He is the image of the invisible God, 
the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. You think Jesus is God? Five of us do. Okay, verse 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or whether things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And to that we say, Amen. Praise him. Amen. Amen. You go back and read that yourself and slow down and read it in slow-mo version. And you start thinking about, God did this for me. These are strong doctrines that God wants us to tattoo, if you will, on our souls that we can stand in the days when the devil is trying to scheme at every corner, on social media, in our workplaces, no matter where it might be. And Paul tells us, listen, when you've done everything to stand, what should you do? Stand. Do everything you can to stand, but stand. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Read it for yourself sometime later. You do everything you can in the power of God. And by the way, it talks about patience there. And I've heard so many times, even this week on the radio, never pray for patience because God's going to send you something that you've got to exercise it. That is not uh, true to gain patience. Has anybody ever heard that? Well, don't pray for patience. Lord knows if you pray for patience, you're going to have trouble. Can I tell you something? That's grandma's wives tell that's a mess of wives tells who's heard it raise your hand i want to make sure i'm not okay we've heard it i want you to do one just it's a side note to go to galatians chapter five and you tell me that way you know for yourself it's in your bible and when somebody says oh don't pray for patience because how many of you actually need a little more patience in your life yeah all the spouses raise their hands for the spouses right but can i show you something that's true from the word of god would you go to galatians chapter five Verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, and your Bible might say long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing there is no law. Is that a gift from God himself? So you don't have to pray for patience. You have patience. It is given to you as a Christian, you automatically have patience given to you when you're a Christian. What you have to do is you have to exercise what you've been given. Amen? And if you're a hothead, listen, that temper, you've learned that from somebody. You learned it from your daddy, your mama, your coworker, your brother, sister. You learned it from somebody. You've got to give that up. You've got to sacrifice that on the altar of the Lord Jesus Christ and admit to him and confess, Lord, I am an angry person. Take this away because he can and he will take it away from you. And he'll replace it, as it were, that patience that's already inside of you through the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's nine things listed, and it's the singular verse, the singular word. The fruit of the Spirit is nine things. We said that's the wrong English word, right? We'd say the fruits of the Spirit are. The word says the fruit of the Spirit is. That main fruit is love, because that's the nature of God. Now, out of love comes all the other things. Because if you're lacking patience today, you don't truly love fully. You say, well, that hits me in the nose. It hits all of us in the nose because if we're not patient with people in all things, this is that genuine, truly believing that Jesus, listen, J-O-Y, you want joy in your life, Jesus, others, and then yourself. It's hard to do that in our culture. We're Americans. We've got to be first. We race to the finish line, right? 
We want to go to the pastor. Paul says, finish well, right? Compete as an athlete. Work as a soldier, as a farmer. We want to go through all that hard stuff. Look at me. I've done my part. But here's the Lord talking to us. Listen, he wants you to be humble. You remember what Jesus did just prior to this passage in John 14? Holy God from heaven bent down and washed these sorry rascals' feet. They're dirty feet. No one did that. He received a kiss from Judas slash Satan himself, right? Because Satan had, if you would, he had taken over Judas's body. Holy God did this for you and for me, knowing that he's going to the cross to fulfill the plan of God. Well, go back to your notes if you would. I want you to see this. To know Jesus is to know the Father. You say, well, I don't really know him that good. Then open your Bible and get to know him. If you, don't, you say, well, I don't have a red-letter edition Bible. It doesn't matter. All the Word is the Word of God. That's just a helpful tool to help you study. And if you want a red-letter edition, come see me. We'll get you one. But I want you to see that, listen, Philip's ignorance. Watch what he does, verse 8. In his spiritual blindness, Philip asked Jesus to see the Father. Remember what the Old Testament said? No one has seen the Father and done what? Lived. So Philip's asking for something that he knows if I see the Father, I'm going to die. But the truth is, no one can see the Father. Why? What's his nature? His spirit. <coughs> Excuse me. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, Philip asked for this, and he, Jesus addressed his dullness of heart and proclaimed, he who has seen me has seen the Father. How many of us so many times when you come to church Sunday after Sunday, message after message, book after book, even right now if you've come to our church, your Bible probably falls open to the book of John, right? You're like, we've been here forever. Jesus did all this in one night, and pastor's taking two months just to get through the passage. And there's so much more time if we would spend doing it justice to know that God is trying to teach us heavy doctrines out of his word so that we might live as a faithful witness to him. Look what uh, Philip comes up and goes, uh, he asked the question. His heart was dull. They've been with Jesus for three years. And he's like, Lord, uh, just show us the Father, that's enough. And Jesus just finished saying, have you ever done that with your children? You said, I said no. Right? No, you can't have that. No, you can't do it. And then they run to the other parent and say, Mom, Dad, can I do this? And then they get the conflicted yes or no. And then what happens? War breaks out among mom and dad, right? Not with the kids. And they, they get you in a balance, and then usually they get what they want if you're not careful. Make sure you're on the same page. And same thing you want to see here. The God the Father, God the Son are on the same page. And God the Holy Spirit's working behind the scenes. You'll see this. In his spiritual blindness, that, that dullness of heart proclaimed, when Jesus said, he has seen me, has seen the Father, and what would you say today? It would be the, our vernacular is, don't you get it, Philip? Don't you get it? You've seen me. You've seen the Father. I find it um, not ironic, but Jesus calls Philip by name. Jesus knows Philip. The question is, does Philip know Jesus? He knows about him. He's seen the miracles, but does he know him in an intimate way? And we know the day of Pentecost is coming, right? The celebration of the filling of the Holy Spirit is coming. But Jesus knew Philip in a very personal way. He talked to him very personally and directly to him. Not just him, but everyone that was in the room. Verse 9, you'll see, in quick succession, Jesus fired questions to Philip and the others at the table. He wanted his disciples to know he was the revelation of God. He would not tolerate unbelief. Is there things you can't tolerate in your life today? You say, I just can't tolerate that. That's absolutely foolishness. I can't tolerate it. Well, that's the way the Lord Jesus Christ is on your own belief. You say, I know what the Word of God says, but... And Charles Stanley always said, your butts can get you in trouble, right? Every time you put a, a butt there, uh, you're going you're gonna to stop and add something to what you know to be true or take away. Don't do that. 
let the Word of God speak and say, Lord, help my unbelief. And when you ask Him to help your unbelief, guess what He's happy to do? Help your unbelief. Now let's continue in the Word. Because John 20, John, we're not, we're not there yet, but John says, I'll give you a sneak preview, spoiler alert. John says, all this was written that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's why the book of John was written and everything that was written was that you might believe. And then he goes on in 1 John, later in 1 John chapter 5, saying, listen, these are written that you may know that Jesus is the Son of God. That you may believe first and you may know. Because on those days of doubt when everything hits you, you're going to like, what do we do? Do I turn the blinker on and turn left or right? We always have to make a decision today in our culture. We talk about being conservative, or we talk about being a moderate, or we talk about being a liberal. Listen, just be biblical. Just be biblical, and you'll be the strangest person on your block. Amen? If the Lord Jesus Christ, if the Word of God spoke about it, then speak about it. You say, well, I shouldn't judge. If God has already judged and you say His words, are you judging? Well, yeah, you're making His judgment call because the Lord has already spoken. So should we as Christians judge things in our secular society? As right and wrong. Yes, we must. If the Lord has spoken on it. And he has spoken on everything in life. Verse 10 11, Jesus proclaimed that his authority and power to do miracles came from the Father who dwelled where? Within him. Inside of him. You say, well, how could he be inside of him? Because they're of one essence, right? Let me read just about what we say. This is what Town Creek says in our bylaws. What we say our statement of faith is. We believe there is one and only one true God, and true and living God. He is an intelligent, spiritual, and personal being, the creator, redeemer, preserver, and ruler of the universe. Anybody disagree? God is infinite in holiness and all other perfections. God is all-powerful and all-knowing, and his perfect knowledge extends to all things past, present, and future, including the future decisions of his free creatures. To, know, to him we owe the highest love, reverence, and obedience. Anybody in disagreements yet? What's this? The eternal triune God reveals himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or Holy Ghost, or you might be in your King James, with distinct personal attributes, but without division of nature, essence, or being. He said, well, I can't wrap my head around that. Well, join the crowd. No one can. Because for us, it sounds like three, and three different gods, right, if you, just, if you don't study. And that's why the Muslims disagree with us. That's why the Jews can't be with us. Because they said, no, there's but one God. We believe the same thing. There is but one God. But in the vision of nature, essence, and being, he's three. Well, what about Father? Watch this. We believe God as Father reigns with providential care over his universe, his creatures, and the flow of the stream of human history according to the purposes of his grace. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, and all-wise. Anybody disagree? God is Father in truth to those who become children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. He is fatherly in his attitude toward all men. Would you agree or disagree? Everybody says, we're all people. We're all the family of God. You ever heard that today? The oneness theory today? The oneness belief? We're all part of the family of God. That's not true. You're all part of the creation of God. Everyone is created in his image, but you're not part of his family until you join the family through a special invitation. You have to be invited by God the Father to come to him. And when you come to him, receiving him as Lord and Savior through the blood of Jesus Christ, the only way that he says that you can come, and then and only then are you part of the family of God. Amen? So God the Father does the control. Watch God the Son. We believe Christ is the eternal Son of God. Anybody disagree? Our Jehovah's Witness friends say right there, we, nope, stop right there. We don't believe that. That's why we must share the truth in love with our friends and neighbors. 
in his incarnation as Jesus Christ, incarnation means he came in flesh, as Jesus Christ, he was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus perfectly revealed and did the will of God, taking upon himself human nature with its demands and necessities. I'm getting louder because the devil's not going to win this one. And identifying himself completely with mankind, yet without sin. He honored the divine law by his personal obedience. And in his substitutionary death on the cross, he made provision for the redemption of men from sin. Amen. Everybody tracking with me so far? These are heavy lifting doctrines. He was raised from the dead with a glorified body and appeared to his disciples as the person who was with them before his crucifixion. He ascended into heaven and is now exalted at the right hand of God where he is the one mediator fully God, fully man, and whose person is affected with the reconciliation between God and man. And glory to judge the world and con consummate his redemptive mission. He now dwells in all believers and the living and ever as a ever living and ever present Lord. Amen. Watch this. God the Holy Spirit. We believe the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, fully divine. He has inspired holy men of old to write the scriptures through illumination. He enables men to understand the truth. He exalts Christ. He convicts men of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He calls men the Savior to the Savior and effects regeneration. At the moment of regeneration, he baptizes every believer into the body of Christ. He cultivates Christian character, comforts believers, and bestows spiritual gifts by which they serve God through his church. He seals the believer into the day of final redemption. His presence in the Christian is a guarantee that God will bring the believer into fullness of the stature of Christ. He enlightens and empowers the believer and the church in worship, evangelism, and service. Amen? Anybody got an issue with that? That's the God that we serve. Amen? He's awesome. God, let's give him a hand clap of praise this morning because he's worthy. That's from the Word of God. And if you'd like a copy of that portion of our bylaws, I'll make you a copy after church and show you. That's what we believe is Town Creek Baptist Church. We put it in ink and we put it in an oath, if you will, or, or, or covenant for us. This is what we believe. If you're going to be part of here, you're going to sign saying, I believe that. And I'm going to go forward in Jesus' name and I'm going to serve that way. So many times in our churches, there's no requirement. Just come and join. We don't want you to come and join this church. We want you to come and be active in this church and be a part of something different and change the world for Jesus Christ. That's what we're about today at Town Creek Baptist Church as Christians today. I want you to see finally in verse 11, the miracles Jesus performed declared him God. Jesus expected his disciples to believe. Even the Jewish rulers believed to the point of disbelief. They believed in unbelief. You remember Mike read it when we started the scripture today, John chapter 3. He read verses 1 through 16. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and said, hey, we know that you're from God. But, right, he wanted to put a caveat on We know that you're sent from God by the things you're doing, by the miracles you're doing. And Jesus just tells him point blank, you must be born again. He didn't say, thank you, Nicodemus. Man, that's a nice, thank you. Thanks for that attaboy. You must be born again. And Nicodemus said, how can I be born again? Can I go back into my mother's womb? Which is a dumb question from an older man. Would you agree? That shows you that senior adults can ask dumb questions, just for the record. Religious senior adults can ask dumb questions, right? Yeah, amen? So can middle-aged and younger adults. But I'm just saying there's evidence of there. We can ask, we can know the facts and still ask dumb questions. And he asked that question of Jesus because that was not just an ignorant question, because that was a stupid question. Would you agree? Because an ignorant question was you don't know. But an ignorant question is to make some sarcastic comment like that, that he's going to go, a grown man's going to go back inside of his mother's womb. That's a foolish question. 
Well, let's finish up today. I want you to see in your notes. Jesus intended to challenge his disciples to walk by faith and not by sight. He knew they would have to begin exercising their faith very soon. And by the way, we read through the book of Acts. We preached through the book of Acts. This Philip, the apostle, is not the Philip, the evangelist in, in the book of Acts. So don't get those two mixed up when, you, when you're doing your studies. Okay, Two different men, two different callings. But God did call both of them out for their specific reason that they're working today. Here's my questions for us today as we close the service. Are you searching today for peace, hope, and, listen, purpose? Rick Warren made the most money off purpose-driven life, but people are wanting to know, what am I here for? What's my purpose? When you get to know God, guess what you get to know? Your purpose. You know, you get to know his will, but you get to know his purpose and your purpose, his purpose for your being born. By the way, any accidents in the room? Because sometimes the last kid gets born and oops, and he or she was the accident, right? Or surprise. There's no accidents with God. There's no surprises with God. I want you to see this. Look in your notes. God the Father's plans. God the Father plans will never go, will never be your plans, or at least, I get my English right here, or at least he will never do what you think he should do your way. His ways are higher than ours, says Isaiah. God's ways are not our ways. Because if you planned it, you would mess it all up. Look at our highways. Right? It's like spaghetti. Look at our water department in the city of Aiken. Anybody run over the water leak that was coming in this morning? Everybody call the city and tell them there's a water leak. It's, it's only been going for a month, right? They say it looks like spaghetti noodles. Every time we change administrations, they change which way the water goes and what happens. Well, here's what I want you to know this morning. God's not like that. God's a God of clarity. God's a God of order. There's construction up on the hill, and the, the guy that's in charge of construction came this week and said, hey, there's a gray pipe coming y'all's way. What is that? We're like, none of us were here when this place was built, right? What's the gray pipe? Anybody know? Richard, you're, we're going to come to you and ask you what the gray pipe is. You've got to make something up because we don't know either, right? Derek's like, I don't know. I said, I don't know. Cut it, right? Find out. We're going to find out if it's power or water or sewage. We're going to find out. Just cut it. So anyway, just something funny that we don't know. Aren't you glad it's that way when in our faith we can come and say, what does the Lord say about himself? And you go, I, I don't know. That's how most Christians are. Hey, would you teach us a children's Sunday school class? Would you teach the youth heaven discipleship? Well, pastor, I don't know enough. That's a dumb excuse for the record. I know I've used dumb a lot today, but that's what people have acted like, right? Nicodemus was a dumb question, and we act dumb when we say, I, I can't do that. I can never do that. I can't do that for Christ. Why? Does he gift? Yes or no? Does he give spiritual gifts? For the edification of the church to bring him glory. Amen? If you're not serving in a local church, you're not bringing him glory in the local church. That's where you start in the local church. And then you go out to the community. You don't go to the world first. You start here and then out of here, whether here is Town Creek or wherever it might be, you start here and then go there. That's how he always does. He sends you to the church and then the church sends you out. Paul was even identified with the church. Finally, never let your emotions or thoughts outweigh the word of God in faith. If you just continue to say, I feel, I feel, that's the worst thing I hate if you come to counseling with me and say, well, I just feel, I just feel, Pastor, I just feel. Your feelings are good up to a point, but if your feelings are in contrast to the facts, you need to ditch your feelings, amen? Because every time people, if you live by feelings, your feelings will mess you up. Get a stomach virus and see how your feelings are about making decisions. Make financial decisions when you have the flu or COVID. It's a foolish thing to do, would you agree? So don't always rely on just your feelings. 
if they conflict with the facts, go with the facts, especially the Word of God, the facts of the Word of God. You can know God in a personal love relationship only found in Jesus Christ alone. Is that a doctrinal truth from the Word of God? You can only know Him. You can only have a personal love relationship with, the, with God is through Jesus Christ, His Son. You must repent of your sins. You must turn to Him and believe that His blood, uh, listen, he, he paid it all. We used to sing an old song, Jesus paid it all. He paid it all on Calvary. And if you believe he covered your sins, listen, not, not correction, not covered, took away your sins, then you can actually have a personal love relationship with him. And today's sermon title is When Jesus is Sufficient. The question I have for you is, is Jesus sufficient for you today? Is he? From the word of God, is he sufficient? Okay, are you walking and out like he's sufficient? When you face those financial issues, when you face those health issues, when you face those travel issues, when you face those family issues, the, issue, the question is, is he sufficient to see you through? And the answer is still yes. It's easy to say it from here, from this pulpit. It's harder to walk it out when you've got to get out there and face those realities because those realities coming, right? As soon as we walk out of the place, some of you might even receive text this morning of bad news. We've got to deal with life when we leave this place. But listen, we can go and lockstep with the Lord saying, I know he's sufficient and he's going to see me through. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. I can't lose my salvation. I have eternal hope found only in Jesus Christ alone. Can I share this with you before we close in prayer and sing? Jesus is the giver of life. Would you say amen to that? Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is eternal life. Jesus will never leave you. Jesus will comfort you. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus reconciles us with the Father. Jesus is hope. Jesus is king. Jesus is judge. Jesus is wonderful. Jesus is counselor. Jesus is the prince of peace. And Jesus is one with the eternal Father. Jesus is almighty God. It's pretty powerful to think about, isn't it? When we serve a God like that, how can we go wrong? Stay in lockstep with him day by day. Because you have to pray something like this. You can't say, I'm saved, once saved, therefore I'm good to go. It's day by day confession of your sins. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because you're going to mess up even today. You'll sin today. Not a mess up, but a, true, a willful sin. You'll walk away from him just like that if you can. And you can. Here's how I pray. Lord, with your help, with your help, the Holy Spirit's help, I will walk with you daily. I want to be right there with you. Because, listen, when we sit here, what do we want out of life? Do you want success from this world, lots of money, lots of stuff, lots of fame? Or do you want to be known as a Christ follower waiting for him to serve in your life, in and through your life? What do you want? So many people want the riches of this world. And Jesus was very clear in Matthew chapter 5, you cannot serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other. You'll go after money. You'll chase money hard as your master or you'll chase after the master, the Lord Jesus Christ. You must choose today whom you will serve. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much that you love us. We thank you that you know us by name. The Bible says you know how many hairs are on our head. Father, that personal thought of us blows our mind because you're eternal. You're so great and so holy and Lord, you tell us you make us holy if we would simply trust you as our Lord and Savior. We don't understand that at all. We just confess that to you. I do as a pastor and as a friend and as a, as a man.
I don't understand how you do your stuff. I know what your word says, and I trust it. So, Lord, when I find myself like Philip and Lord, like Thomas and even like those Jewish leaders who knew the truth, they couldn't help but say, the things you did, the miracles you did were from God. Lord, help me in my times of unbelief. Help our faith family and our friends in time of unbelief to be undergirded by the word of God and by the Holy Spirit. Lord, to turn to you and say, Lord, I don't fully understand. I don't know the way, but because you said so, I will. Lord, let us trust you like a child trusts his father and mother. We need you. We love you today. In Jesus' name we pray for his sake. Amen.